yeah, I'm just going to just pray to open. So Jesus, thank you uh, just that we can meet here today, Lord, and we can just, yeah, come to worship you and come to hear your word, Jesus. Amen. Once again, for those of you who don't know me or are new here, uh, my name is Nate Statrick. I'm the pastoral intern. I'll be here until the end of November. Uh, just a little bit about me. I am from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, originally. Oh, I hear one or a couple of cheers. That's, that's nice to hear. Yeah, so I grew up there. Uh, my, me and my family, we run a 5,500-acre grain farm uh, just southeast of Moose Jaw. Uh, my mom is the children's pastor on staff at Hillcrest Apostolic Church, which is the ACOP church in Moose Jaw. Um, yeah, and I've grown up there all my life. And then now I am a student at Eston College, which is where Nick and Brian went to, and maybe some of you, some others of you, if you are alumni, I'd love to hear about that. Um, and I'm in my fourth year of my biblical studies program, uh, so I had to do an internship for uh, my degree. And so I, Nick and Brian had come out to the college to teach a class uh, that would have been last year and kind of offered off an internship, and I decided I'd take it up because I needed one anyways. And so I'm so glad to be here. Uh, it's been such a joy to be here. for I've, only, I've already been here a month. It's kind of crazy to think about. Um, yeah, just to be welcomed in by the community. And I've just really enjoyed being here. So, yeah. So, one thing about me is that I love the feeling of getting new shoes. I just, there's something about when you get a new pair of shoes and you put them on for the first time and you're walking out and you're, you're feeling good and you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm rocking it today. Today I'm wearing uh, my favorite pair of shoes. They're my favorite basketball shoes. Um... And I remember the day that I got these shoes, I was at camp, so I didn't really want to wear them at camp. And I was like, man, I just got these new pair of shoes, but I can't wear them. So the first day that a group of me and my friends were going into town from camp, from working in the summer, I remember I put them on. I'm like, I remember putting them on. I remember thinking, man, I really hope someone says something about these shoes. I feel so cool in them. And I would hate if nobody would ever mention that, wow, Nate, those are some cool-looking shoes. Uh, all I wanted was, was that feedback on my shoes. I also remember another thing, a little story I'll tell. I remember as a kid, I always wanted one of those little electric cars that you can like, drive around your house when you're little. I always wanted those. I remember seeing those in Walmart or seeing those in the, wish, the Sears Wish Book, for those of you who even know what that is anymore. Um, I remember seeing those and being like, Mom, that's it. If I get that, I'll be satisfied. I'll never ask you for another thing again, Mom. Trust me. Those are the coolest things in the world. The funny thing is, though, is that growing up on a farm, I had, like, quads galore, snowmobiles, the whole nine yards. But all I was like, man... I just want one of these. And then I remember one of my friends at school got one of those as a kid. And I remember being like, oh, they had the best Christmas. All I got was a Nintendo Wii, and they got one of these. That's all I wanted. And I remember after Christmas all the time as kids, we would compare. And the first thing you do is after Christmas break, you go, what'd you get, what'd you get, what'd you get? You got that? Whoa. Oh, I only got this. And we compare ourselves, right? It's, total, it's human nature to compare ourselves to others. It's, it's how our brains work. Our brains work by, I don't just look at something in a vacuum. I take it and I look at it and I compare to other things, whether it's good or bad, or I'm, I'm judging value, or I'm just comparing, how does this 
relate to this or make connections with this. It's how our brains work. And we all want people to respect us. We all want social acceptance, right? We all want someone to comment on your shoes. We all want someone to say, wow, that haircut looks really great. We all want that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a healthy longing for community. But, but that can so easily turn sour, right? And we all want in our lives to be growing. We all want to be getting better. We all are looking to, to, be, to be formed more in the image of Christ, right? We all want these things. This is a good desire as well, right? None of these desires are bad to, to compare things or to, to have social acceptance or to grow. None of these desires are bad. And we want, we want these things, but yet they so easily can control us, right? We so easily can be controlled by looking at others and looking at these things. So I'm going to read the text again, and I want you to just think about that as I read the text. So he says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing off by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, that man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So in this story, it says that the Pharisee was standing off by himself. So the, in, the, in Scripture, you can kind of compare this to, there's one passage where it talks about the Pharisees would stand on the street corners and pray uh, so people would see them. So this Pharisee, if we look at this building, this Pharisee is standing right here. He's standing right here, praising God, saying, God, thank you, I'm not like a sinner like the rest of these folks. Now, if any of you did that, I'm sure Pastor Nick would try and stop you before you started yelling that out. But still, everybody here would be like, man, what a jerk that guy is, right? But then there's this tax collector, and he's sitting way in the back. He's probably not even in the sanctuary. He's probably, like, broken into Pastor Nick's office, so he's by himself way out in the back there. And he's, he's like, on his knees. He's probably, like, got his face on the ground, so he can't even lift his eyes to heaven, let alone his head. And he's just crying out, just crying out. He's saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, please. So both, both of these men are praying. They're doing the same action, but it, it's, in the, it's not in the what that they're doing. It's in the how. So this Pharisee, he's standing at the front trying to show off his Nikes, trying to, trying to say, hey, look, look at me, look at me, look at me. Someone please comment on me. Someone please comment on me. Somebody say I'm holy. Somebody say I'm righteous. But then this tax collector is off by himself in a room where no one can see him, saying, God, be merciful to me. Show me that I'm righteous. The Pharisee's sin isn't necessarily in that, that he's praising God for his growth or all these things. Obviously, we can see in the text, he does it in a really poor way. 
But what he's thanking God for isn't necessarily a bad thing. I feel like I thank God all the time that I go, God, thank you that you've kept me from sin. Thank you that you are leading and guiding me in the path of righteousness, in the ways of wisdom. I think that's a, that's a perfectly legitimate thing to thank God for if you do it unpridefully. But the Pharisee's sin is that he's comparing himself to this tax collector. The Pharisee knows that he's good in a horizontal sense. He bases his righteousness and he bases his value off of other people. In the NIV, the first verse, it says that Jesus said that to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. So this tax collector, he actually sets his value by saying, this guy, this guy who's, who's my peer, actually I'm going to push him down so that I'm better. But instead, the tax collector, he's looking to God for validation. He's not worrying about the thoughts of other people, right? He's gone actually off into a room by himself so that, so that other people can't see him. Whereas the Pharisee's standing here just like crying out to God, but he's, he's doing it in a way that he can get others to validate him. And I think in our lives, we do that all the time, right? That we have such a tendency to compare ourselves to one another. And I'm, man, I compare myself to other people all the time. And trust me, I'm better than you at comparing myself to other people. Trust me, just, I'm better than you, okay? Um, Yeah, I do it all the time. At college, like, I, I, another thing about me, I like to play guitar. Electric guitar is kind of my instrument of choice. And I remember always comparing myself to, to one of my, like, best friends and thinking, like, man, he's so much better at guitar than me. Why do I even try? So, actually, I put myself down. Or sometimes, in a moment of irrational confidence, I go, wow, I'm pretty good at this whole guitar thing. And then I'd screw up one time, and it would just be so bad. Um, or just, yeah, there's so many things in which we compare ourselves, right? It's such an easy thing to do, to compare ourselves to other people, to set our value in relation to others. And like I said earlier, the Pharisee is thanking God that he's kept away from sin. In and of itself, this isn't bad. It's okay to keep to praise God for how he's growing you. But it said he's doing it horizontally. When your worth is relative to other people, it's easy to become anxious and only feel like you need to try harder. This becomes a dangerous and ugly spiral. I'm sure many of you know people in your life who, who maybe struggle with this more uh, severely, and it's just an ugly spiral of, you ever, you ever have it where you, you tell a joke and no one laughs? Thank you, one laugh, thank you. <laughs> You tell a joke and nobody laughs, and you're like, man, I better tell another joke so that I get a laugh. You got to do it. And you just try harder and harder, and your jokes get worse and worse, and it just gets ugly, right? And you're just like, man, this is bad. And, And when you're watching it from the outside, you're like, man, stop. You're digging a hole. You're digging a hole. When you're, on, when you're in it, though, you're like, I just got to go further. Eventually, there'll be a good joke down there somewhere, right? And it's ugly. It's ugly. And you just think, man, I wish that person would just stop for their own sake. And the Pharisee's doing the same thing here, right? 
is that he's praying, he's crying out, and he only goes harder and harder and harder at the front because he thinks eventually someone will say, man, that guy, he prays really good. Man, that guy worships so well. And the Bible has plenty of other cases of comparison, too. Believe it or not, actually, in the Bible, the first case of comparison ends in murder, right? Is that Cain and Abel, that Cain and Abel both offer sacrifices, and, and Cain looks at Abel and sees that his brings more, more pleasure, and so Cain kills his brother. When comparison occurs, something always dies. Whether it's your joy, whether it's your community, when I, when I compare myself, when I compare myself to Steve over there, and I'm like, man, he's way better at guitar than I am, that makes, instantly makes it that I have jealousy towards him, and that kills our, our sense of community, our sense of, of brotherhood, of sisterhood, of family, of body of Christ. And also, it kills our trust in God, right? If I, if I start comparing myself to others, I'm like, God, why didn't you make me like that? Why didn't you make me better? Instantly, that's, that's me hurting my relationship with God. It steals my joy. It steals my peace. It steals the love that I have. When comparison occurs, something always dies. In John 21, um, Jesus is talking to Peter. This is when they're on the beach. Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and he's met with them, and he, this is where he says, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love, you? love me? Feed your sheep. So then afterwards, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, saying this, he said, follow me. So Jesus gives Peter this call. He even, he spells out the whole thing for Peter. He shows him how he's going to die, right? I know in my life, all I want is for God to show me the whole plan so that I don't have to worry about it. So Jesus lays out this whole plan for Peter, and he says, follow me. He gives him this mission. He calls Peter directly. He looks Peter in the eyes and says, Peter, follow me. And immediately, the first thing Peter does, it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back against him during the supper. And it said, Lord, who is it going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Instantly, Peter begins to compare himself. Instantly, Peter wants to know, okay, I'm going to do this, but what about this guy? What's he going to do? Instantly, can you, like, that's, that's so human nature for us to do. Jesus, it says, Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So that's crazy in and of itself when Jesus says to, to John, maybe he's going to live forever. But immediately, Peter compares himself. And Jesus, Jesus says to him, Peter, that's none of your business. Peter, you follow me. You follow me, Peter. You don't worry about what's going to happen to John. You follow me because I have called you. Because I died for you. Because, Peter, we are in relationship. 
I think this is the message to us today. Is Jesus says to each and every one of us, he says, follow me. Follow me. Fix your eyes on me. Don't worry about what's happening with the rest of the people. Don't worry about how I've, how I've made those people because I've made you well. I've made you very good is what he says in Genesis. And in order to do this, we need to know God. We need to realize the life, the joy, the blessing, the growth he gives us. And we need to know God enough to accept his approval. Right? That Yeah, this is an approval that can't be stolen, that never cheapens, that never fades. That when Jesus tells me, I love you, Nate, that means way more to me than one of my friends saying, Nate, those are some cool Nikes. Right? That's so... It's fleeting. It's like chasing the wind, like it says in Ecclesiastes. In Romans 5, it says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if we're not supposed to set our value on each other, if Jesus says, follow me, we think, okay, what do we set our value on? And that's what we set our value on, is to know that's what you are worth, is that God, God emptied himself, came down as a man, and died for you. A horrible, brutal, bloody death for you. That God would do that for you. Does that not sit heavy, but then also fill you with joy? To know that that's what I'm worth. That I'm so precious in the eyes of God that he would come and die for me. That he would give up his godly power to come and die for me. 1 Corinthians literally says that you were bought with a high price. Scripture says you were bought with a high price. That my, my price, my value has nothing to do with, with any one of you individually, but it has to do with me and him. And it has to do with Lois and God and Kyle and God, right? This is what you're worth. Instead of basing our value, our discipleship, our skill, our worth, on how I measure up to others and said, Jesus says, come, sit at my feet. Sit at the foot of the cross. Find value in what I've done for you. Don't put others down to build yourself up like the Pharisee does. Don't put yourself down and think you're less than. Because true, true humility isn't just saying, man, I'm a piece of junk. True humility is, is saying, no, 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 no. I am junk, but God makes me not junk that I am worth more than that, that God would come and die for me. You've been bought with a high price, and that's what you're worth. The body and blood broken and spilled for you. And so that's how I'm going to end this, and we're going to go into communion now as a way of remembering this, that the communion is a way of remembering the death of Christ. But today I want you to remember, actually, that this was the price. That it, this, is, this is what I'm worth, is this body and this blood. And you know, it's a small sign as we have a little bit of juice and a cracker, but you're worth 
God coming down as a man to die for you while you were still a sinner. Okay, so that's what you're worth. Yeah, so Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice for us, Jesus. We thank you that you came down as a man, that you emptied yourself, that you were born in a dirty barn, you lived a life on the road where your feet hurt, and then you died a horrible death for us, Jesus. We thank you. Lord, we praise you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you give us worth because of this, that you didn't just do this to, to show off or just to, just to say, look what I've done, now praise me. But no, 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 you say, look what I've done for you. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We lift you high. And Jesus, today, as we take this body and this cup, Jesus, we, we praise you and we remember what you've done for us, Jesus. Amen.